today the sermon is titled, Don't Miss Your Moment. Life is made up of moments. We're having a moment right now, right? Aw, that's sweet. But life is made up of moments. But I believe that there are two or three monumental moments in our lives that determine our destiny. These little decisions, seemingly small things, can have such a big impact. And these monumental moments are pass-fail. You get one shot at them. These big decisions can have life-altering consequences for the good or for the bad. I've had these big moments in my life, and you have too. I was saved at the age of eight. That was a monumental moment. It changed my life forever. The next big monumental moment in my life was the decision to follow God into the ministry. I felt him calling me to take a step by faith out of my comfort zone and to follow him. And if you knew me back then, you would know that I was shy. I was, uh, you know, introverted, and I didn't want to do this thing that God was calling me to do. I was scared to death. I kind of said yes without ever thinking I'd ever have to do something like this for some reason. Uh, I thought I could get away with being in the background somehow. But God called me to something that I didn't believe that I could do. And for whatever reason, in that moment, I said yes. And I left Downingtown, Pennsylvania, and went to the furthest place on the earth, which is Hot Springs, Arkansas. (laughs) That was a big transition. It was scary as a young man. I was working at Chuck E. Cheese, 20 years old, going to community college. So I had this huge life that I left behind. No, not really. (laughs) But God called me to something, and I followed him. And every single good thing in my life stems back from that one decision. My wife, my children, every job that I've had, every ministry I've been able to work uh, with and through. And it led me to this point because of that one decision where I was scared to death, I was confused, and I didn't know what to do, but I decided in that moment, for whatever reason, I had faith, and I decided to follow God. And if I would not have done that, it would have had cataclysmic effects on my life. Our Christian life is all about preparing for those monumental moments. You know, David, before he ever faced Goliath, was faithful to tend his sheep. Daniel, before he ever faced the lion's den, was faithful to pray every single day and to have a faithful prayer life. Joseph, before he ever was in the palace, he was faithful to run away from sin and to run away from Potiphar's wife. Abraham, before he passed that gigantic test that I feel like we all say, I don't know that I could do that with, with uh, you know, being willing to put his son Isaac down on the altar. Before he ever took that test, he was faithful to step out by faith and to go to a place where he didn't even know where it was just to leave home And to have that faith. We see these things over and over again where people are in God's word, are faithful to do small things. And God uses them later for something gigantic, for something big. And little moments prepare us for big moments. 
Little moments prepare us for big moments. Luke 16.10 says, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If you want to know what you would do if you were faced with a life-altering decision to choose between right and wrong, if you want to know what you would do, just look what you would do in the little moments. Little moments prepare you for big moments. Whether or not you cheat on that quiz prepares you for whether or not you cheat to get ahead in your job. Whether or not you're trustworthy as a friend prepares you for whether or not you're trustworthy as a parent. Whether or not you sleep with someone that's not your wife as a teenager prepares you for whether or not you're going to sleep with someone that's not your wife when you are married. Little moments prepare you for big moments. A few months ago, we talked about old man Caleb, right? 85 years old. He was faithful to God, and he decided that he was going to follow God even though he was past his prime. And he stepped out by faith, and he was able to conquer a whole mountain for God. He said, I'm not going to retire in my faith. If I'm still alive, God still wants to use me. And he kept pressing and pushing even in his old age. But this type of grit and determination and dedication to God did not happen on accident, and it did not happen overnight. He decided as a young man who he was going to follow. Little moments prepare you for big moments. Let's rewind in Caleb's life and and go 40 years back to when he was 40 years old. Israel, this whole country, his people stood on one of those monumental moments in Numbers chapter 13. And they had seen some big victories in the past. They had been uh, freed from Egypt, which is just this huge thing. Freed from slavery, allowed to go out and be their own country. They had seen the, the Red Sea parted. God had done some huge things and they had made some leaps of faith. And God had always caught them. But now they camped right outside the promised land. This was the land that God brought them here for, right? God had told them all about this land back in Egypt. He said, I'm going to give you a land. And they followed him out of Egypt. They followed him through the Red Sea. This was why they were here. Numbers 13, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one chief among them. Moses, God tells Moses to send out these 12 spies, one from every tribe. God had promised them this, this, this land, right? This was their property as far as God was concerned. Verse 17, you skip down in chapter 13. So Moses sent them to spy out the land of Cana, and he said to them, Go up into Negba and up into the hill country and see what the land is, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds. Verse 26, And they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, 
So they went in, they spied out the land, and then they brought back word to them and to all the congregation. And they showed them the fruit of the land. They brought back this cluster of grapes that was uh, so big they had to carry it on a rod between them. And they, they brought back this word about what was going on in the land. Verse 27, and they told them, these 12 spies, they said, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified, and they are very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So 10 of these spies came back and they said, look, this land is great and all. It's really cool. I wish we could live there, but there are some problems. There's some fortified cities. There's armies of enemies. And oh yeah, there's giants there, right? There's these just huge people and we could never defeat them. Verse 30, that's what the 10 spies said, but let's check out the last two. What did they say? But Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And he said this, he said, let us go up and occupy it at once, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb and Joshua are like, hey, hey, I know all that stuff's going on. I know all those problems are out there. Those obstacles are out there, but we're able to overcome it. Now, is it because of their power? No, we're going to see it's because of God's power. He says, look, we've got a God that's bigger than all these things. He said, wait a minute, slow down. Yes, there are obstacles, but with God, we can overcome them. Let's get what God has promised us. Verse 31, then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against these people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. They're like, we're going to get eaten alive if we go in there. And all the people that we saw are, are in it are of great height. It's kind of like me. Verse 33, and there we saw Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. The 10 scared spies told the people that they shouldn't go up and take the land that God had promised them. They said, well, these are giants in these lands, and we are only grasshoppers compared to them. Now, that's a bit of an exaggeration, right? The Bible tells us about Goliath, right? He was like the biggest human ever to live at like nine foot tall. But they said, we're like grasshoppers to them. But in order to be the size of a grasshopper to a man, that giant would have to be 400 feet tall. They had made their problems seem even way bigger than they really even were. And even if that was the case, and these uh, giants were 400 feet tall, right? The God of the universe told them to go and he would give them the land, so trust God and take the land. God had brought them to this point. There was no reason to panic. There was no reason to go wobbly. God was on their side. God had kept his promises over and over again before, and he would keep them again, whether those giants are nine foot tall, whether 400 foot tall. God led them there, and they needed to follow him. Later on, we see little David 
prove that God's not scared of giants. But the people of Israel were scared to death. They didn't want to go in. Joshua and Caleb tried one last time to convince the people to trust God. They knew how important this was, and they tried. They laid it all out there. In chapter 14, verse 8, it says, If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. They made it clear this wasn't just you're scared. This wasn't just you're a little nervous. No, you are deciding to not do what God has told us to do. Don't rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Decide who you're going to fear today. You're going to fear the Lord, or you're going to fear the problems. Joshua and Caleb said, if God is for us, who can be against us? We will eat those giants for breakfast. They are bread. They are toast. Our God is bigger. But the people didn't listen. And they decided not to go into the promised land. And the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. And everyone over the age of 20 when they decided not to go over into the promised land, did not make it. They didn't live to see them get into the promised land, except for Joshua and Caleb, those faithful uh, spies, those true spies that spied out a good report. Needless to say, we see here that Israel missed their monumental moment. And many of those people never got another chance a whole de- a generation decided not to follow God. And they spent 40 years walking around in the wilderness, thirsty and starving when they could have been conquering giants, eating grapes, and, and taking part of every great thing that God had promised them. Here's the point this morning. Excuses always outnumber reasons. Excuses always outnumber reasons. These spies came back with 10 excuses and two reasons. How many Christians are aimlessly walking in their Christian life today, wandering for 40 years because they decided that they were going to listen to the excuses rather than the reasons. God took his blessing off an entire generation of people that refused to follow him. And they walked in circles for 40 years. If you're waiting for a time when serving God is convenient, you also will be waiting for 40 years. It's never going to happen. If you're waiting for a time where you have more reasons to follow God than excuses, you'll be waiting forever. There will always be 10 excuses, and two reasons. So what are Caleb and Joshua's reasons for wanting to follow God into the promised land when everyone else said no? What were their reasons? The reasons were this. Number one, God told them to go. And to be clear, that reason alone is enough. God said, enough said. God told us to go, we need to go. But number two, They also understood 
that if God told them to go there, that was the best possible place for them. Isn't that amazing? Not only should we obey God, but God is gracious to make it so that not only we should obey him, but also that it's the best possible thing for us to obey him. There's no other choice in your life that you could ever possibly make that is better than what God has told you to do. It might not always be easy. It doesn't mean you're going to be rich and famous, but it means that you will have joy and peace if you follow God. God's way is the best way every single time. And Caleb and Joshua understood that God had told them to go and that was enough. But they also understood that there is no better place to be than where God has led you. These are the same reasons for you to follow God. Today, these are the same reasons that you need to step out. And stop listening to the excuses and start listening to the reasons. People of Israel didn't realize that choosing not to go into the promised land, they didn't realize choosing not to go in meant they were going to wander in the desert for 40 years. But God did. God knew where that disobedience would lead. They didn't realize and understand that they were choosing the desert over the promised land, but God did. God knew it. God had this amazing plan, and he had the power to make it happen, but they listened to the excuses and decided not to follow him. God knew that when they chose not to obey him, that it would end in heartbreak. And you're faced with these same decisions every day. Obey God or disobey God. Trust God or lack faith. Follow God or follow your heart. Put him in the center of your life or put you in the center of your life. You have the same reasons they did to obey God. God wants to tell you where to go today. He doesn't want you to feel lost. It might not always come the exact time that you want it to come, but God is faithful. He said his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Notice there, it doesn't say his light is a spotlight that shows us all the way down the road. No, it says right here, the next step, right at our feet, he will tell us where to go and he will show us what to do. If God tells you where to go, it's the best possible place for you to go. You have those same reasons to follow God today. God said it, enough said. And if God tells you to go there, it's the best thing for you. Sure, there's a lot of excuses not to follow God, but God knows where those excuses lead. The best place for you is in God's will. Israel missed its monumental moment. That generation never got another chance. I believe in your life there are two or three monumental moments as well. And these monumental moments are pass, fail. These Decisions have life-altering consequences for the good or for the bad. Many times these decisions are made in just split seconds. Every day, you need to focus on the little choices in the little moments. So when those monumental moments 
come into your life, there's not even a question. It's then muscle memory. It's habit. Yes, I'm going to follow God. And if you do that in the little moments, he can trust you in the big moments. Trust God in the little things because one day he's going to ask you to do something big. Don't miss out on it. Don't be like those that have gone before and just wandered in their whole life for 40 years. Will God take you back if you miss those moments? Absolutely, 100%. But you have no idea what you missed out on in those years of wandering. Number 14.9, only do not rebel against the Lord. God's way is the best way. Don't fight him, follow him. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. He says this to Israel. And if you're a child of God, you can be faithful to know that God will keep his promises to you as well. Do not fear the obstacles. Little moments prepare you for big moments. Excuses will always outnumber reasons. But God's way is the best way. Our all-knowing God wants to guide you. He wants to tell you where to go. And if he tells you where to go, it's the best possible place for you to go. 1,200 years after this in the life of Joshua, Jesus came to earth, he lived a life, and he, on a cross, he defeated the giants of sin, death, and the grave once and for all so that we could go into the promised land, the true promised land forever and ever. That's what God has made for you. And if you've never yet made that choice, that's the biggest monumental moment of your entire life. If you've not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross, realizing that you're a sinner, get that settled right now, today. Don't miss this moment. But once you make that choice, and once you decide to follow him with your life, that's not where the decisions end. Every single day you choose whether to follow your flesh and to follow your selfishness or to follow God. God has told us some things that he wants us to do. He's made his path clear to us. And if God tells you what to do, it's absolutely the best thing for you. Why don't you go ahead and bow your heads where you're at right now. Worship team's going to come. Little moments prepare us for big moments. If we're faithful in the little, God says he can trust us with a lot. I don't know about you, but I want my life to make an impact. Not for me, not to make my name great. I want to do something for the God that has done so much for me. I want to make a difference to further the gospel, to further the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray and ask God right now. Ask him to help us to follow him. Won't you promise right now, if you mean it, not just words, but with your heart. Promise him that you'll follow him. Ask for forgiveness maybe for times when you didn't. 
Maybe there's been a, something this last week where God spoke to your heart about reaching out to somebody that you're not sure if they're doing okay. A coworker, a church a family member. Maybe you stumbled and fall. Hey, look, God will take you back. But just know that sometimes we miss out on things because we decide to follow ourselves put ourselves as the king of our life rather than our heavenly father. Let's pray and ask God right now to help us to follow him and to trust him that his way is the best way. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, God. I pray you'll help us to listen to the reasons rather than the excuses. God, help us to follow you even when it looks just insurmountable. The obstacles are so big. God, help us to trust you. God, help us not to miss out on what you have for us. Help us to be like Caleb and Joshua, God. Help us now to trust you so that when we're 85 years old, that we're still choosing every day to follow you rather than shrink back from the scary problems in our lives. Lord, we love you. And I pray that we are a church that would cross the Jordan River into the promised land that you have for us. Help us not to be scared. Help us not to protect ourselves and our interests. God, help us to have open hands and open hearts and let us follow you every step. And we understand that we won't know the whole path, God, but help us to step out. Help us to be people that are faithful in the little so that you can trust us with a lot. We love you.